I'm Molly Wood, author of The Buzz Report. And I'm Tom Merritt, author of CNET's The Real Deal. Welcome to Buzz Out Loud, the podcast that sometimes goes an indeterminate length and other times just gets cut off mid-sentence. <laughs> like it did yesterday. <laughs> uh, yeah, today's podcast is, I forgot the date now, August 31st? Yes. Right? And uh, yesterday's August 30th. We had a little technical problem. We apologize. It was sort of a deadly combination of server problems all over CNET and then our like audio mixing software thing. We got some excellent mails speculating that we had been kidnapped by the CIA and reprogrammed, but that is not true. I have not been reprogrammed. Everything is fine. <laughs> the podcast will be ending at 1022. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Anyway, we apologize for that. The complete podcast from August 30th is now posted, so... If you want to go back and listen to the end, I think you'll find some good stuff there. Yeah. You can either, I think uh, unsubscribing and resubscribing yeah. works, or you can d- download it directly from CNET.com yes. uh, in the in the Buzz page. Yep. At buzz.cnet.com or at the Daily Buzz section of CNET.com. That concludes our PSA for now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we're starting with sort of just sad news, but we really want to talk about Katrina and New Orleans and the mess that's going on there. It's just... Heartbreaking. Yeah, I want to put a big plug out for Boing Boing. I know I, I use them as a source quite a bit. Uh, they are a fabulous blog, and they have brought, in, for my money, the best coverage of New Orleans that I've seen. I mean, NOLA, mm-hmm. if you go to NOLA.com, that, that's the Times-Picayune paper website. They obviously have the best coverage, like hard-hitting coverage. But the stuff on Boing Boing is local. It's individuals. And it's, it's really you personal. Know, uh, and they've, they've really put together a lot of interesting perspectives and good ways to help uh so yeah go take a look at that Mm -hmm. absolutely and um in sort of tech related news t-mobile apparently announced that it's providing free uh wi-fi hotspots in the area and it sounds like from boing boing people have also contributed satellite uplinks and just sort of ways for people to communicate and try to get in touch with their loved ones there yeah this i you know watching it on tv for me i don't know about you molly but watching it on tv doesn't hit as hard as when I've actually been reading people's experiences. Right. Well, yeah, it might be because of the um, super fancy graphics yeah. on CNN, Makes which I just like a game find show. absolutely appalling. But um, And I also felt like they underplayed it a little bit at the beginning. You I, know? I mean, had that feeling too. This is... Does, this is beyond disaster movie. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, this they're talking about six months yeah. minimum. Yeah, I mean, they're talking can, about New Orleans being basically just a complete toxic disaster. I mean... I think what happened was when the center of the storm didn't hit New Orleans, mm-hmm. every news agency breathed a sigh of relief and started covering Gulfport and Biloxi, right. which did bear the brunt of it. Right. And you know we should not forget that. We're not leaving them out. But the worst case scenario of New Orleans seems to have happened mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah. To some, I mean, to some, maybe not the worst, but the second worst. I mean, Well, the worst case scenario way, was they get hit awful. by the center of the storm and the levees break. They didn't get hit by the center of the storm, but those but levees, levees have broken. I know. And I mean, the city is infested with alligators. Chemicals from houses are leaking into the water that's covering the entire city. And, it, and well, then chemicals today, from refineries, too. I mean, whole right. oil rigs have washed up on shore all across the southern coast. Yeah, and I think I read that some are lost. Yeah. I mean, some oil refinery oil rigs are just floating at sea. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable. So um, the best advice we can give you is the best advice that we also read on Boing Boing, which is send money. Go to the Red Cross and send money. Yeah, if you, if you want to do something... Some people like to go out and shop and buy things and try to send them. That's costly, mm-hmm. uh, and it's not the most efficient. And just, you can't guarantee that it'll get there. Yeah, give cash. It's the best thing you can do from your home. In fact, I'm just going to go ahead and read through some of these things. This was posted on Boing Boing uh, by a user named Eric Olson. Number one, give cash. 
Number two, stay away from New Orleans. Do mm-hmm. not go anywhere near there if you're, you know, if you're not involved in a rescue operation. Number three, if you're trained to do rescue work, they've probably called you already, but if not, check in with your local org, make sure they didn't miss you. Number four, if you really insist, go to your local American Red Cross office and talk to them. If they do need a skill you have, they'll put you in touch with the right people. Number five, if you have supplies but not, not cash, talk to a local office, but realize the cost of shipping is pretty prohibitive. Mm-hmm. Uh, number six, if they really need what you have to offer and you're one of the few who can provide it, they've probably called you by now. <laughs> this is a repeating theme you here. You know, yeah. Number seven, I think, is the most important, which is if you want to help yeah, in the future beyond good. giving money, Start working with rescue organizations right now. If you haven't been trained in general rescue procedures, you're not nearly as helpful. And, you know, even if you don't live anywhere near New Orleans, a disaster can happen anywhere. There's tornadoes, there's earthquakes, there's winter storms, you know, and there's who who knows what all other kinds of things. Well, I think that's one of the reasons that the coverage at least has hit me so personally, because we live in California. And I think anyone who lives here knows that this could be us someday. And so that makes it even more important, I think, for those of us who live in kind of high high risk areas areas to get that training right away. Yeah, but yeah, and you know what? The, the, I can't think of an area that doesn't have some sort of risk. Yeah, there's volcanoes up in <laughs> Washington. There's tornadoes through yes. all through the center of the country. There's hurricanes can hit the sea coast on the east coast as well as the south coast, mm-hmm. or the Gulf Coast. I'm calling it the South Coast. I don't know why, but um, but yeah, that's uh, you know our hearts go out to anybody uh, who's having a hard time. <laughs> and they most certainly are. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, okay. if you've got any good tips or any any good information, you know, go ahead and send it to us, buzz at cnet.com. Yes. Stories to share. Okay. Let's let's move back into our regular jobs. Let's. Microsoft. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about Microsoft, Google, and Yahoo <laughs> appears to be our regular job. Um, One of the trifecta of discussion topics. Merged? Microsoft, Apple, Yahoo, and Google. Mm. Okay, that's for another podcast. Yeah. But uh, yeah, according to Slashdot, uh, Microsoft is planning to launch a competitor to Skype. Yes, they've, they've apparently purchased a VoIP provider, a voice over IP provider called Telio. And it sounds like they're going to basically get into the market. Because, you know, that's the thing to do lately, basically, is enter the VoIP market with something. But it sounds like um, the, the Slashdot blurb made a good point which is that skype is currently the only provider that lets you call landlines and cell phones not just sort of computer to computer calling now huh i didn't think that was true i'm going to check on that i thought that there were i thought some that vonage did allow you to make make pc calls to your phone mm-hmm. but i'll look into it if you know the answer email us one interesting comment that i saw on slash dot actually because i don't have thoughts of my own today was um that this is kind of one of those things where in the old days somebody would have said this and that would be like, that would be it for the rest of the field. You know, everybody would have to just fold and say, all right, well, my days are numbered. Microsoft's getting into the arena. They're, they're entering the cage match. But that doesn't seem to be the case anymore. Now you hear it and you go, well, whatever. Yeah, but you, you, everyone's doing it. You brought up a good point earlier when we were talking before the podcast, yes. which is I don't necessarily your agree. grandma is going to go for Microsoft over this weird Skype thing. Right. I think that's an interesting comment. But yeah, from my own from the mind of Molly, I don't necessarily agree. I think that one of the barriers to voice over IP adoption is like a company no one's heard of, Skype, and voice over IP as a a product placement idea. No one, my grandma, my mom, whoever it is, they, they don't, it's sort of like the people who don't understand how RSS works, but thanks to iTunes, they don't have to if they are getting podcasts. Thanks to Firefox, they don't necessarily have to if they're just getting those feeds in their in their bookmarks. 
People don't necessarily want to understand what how voice over IP works, nor do they. They may just know that they're on MSN and they can suddenly just make a call from their computer to some other computer or they can do it in instant messenger and it's just so easy and it's a recognized name. I'm not saying it's a trusted brand, <laughs> yeah, but it's at least a recognized name. Well, Yahoo is also in the process of introducing a system like this, according to the BBC article. Mm-hmm. They purchased Dialpad. Yeah, I've forgotten all about Dialpad. Oh, Dialpad was the too. first popularized... A voice over IP, mm-hmm. way before it was even called voice over IP, really, you know, you could over dial up accounts, you could try to make phone calls. And that was certainly a lot of fun. Talk about lag time. But yeah, <laughs> yes. uh, Yahoo has huh? bought Dialpad. And so they're going to try to introduce that into their instant messenger. We obviously know Google has ambitions right. to do the same thing. So and congratulations for getting all three of them into this one topic area. And maybe uh, Apple's VoIP service that they'll announce next week. <laughs> maybe that's what the big announcement will be. I maybe. A VoIP-enabled iTunes phone. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, in other news, crea- I really want to talk about this creative patent situation. Oh, yeah. The yep. iPod Get patent creative situation. creative stuff out of your system. Which, you'll be happy to know, does bring Microsoft back into the story. So, um, <laughs> not recently, Creative was granted a patent that they actually applied for in 2001 that uh, applies to software, the user interface on MP3 players. It's basically the process of selecting songs. And it just so happens that it is the similar or the same technology that's used in the iPod. And you may also remember that Microsoft (laughs) recently was granted a patent that they applied for in 2002 on software user interface for MP3 players, which is very similar to the iPod's interface. Mm -hmm. Now, my first instinct was to say, like when I heard that Microsoft and Creative had both recently been granted patents that overlap with iPod technology, was like, come on, play fair. Make your own product, get into the arena fair and square and make a product that's better. But here's the thing. Apple announced the iPod in 2001. They were presumably working on it a lot sooner. And U.S. copyright law or patent law does allow you to basically patent your idea if you can prove that you had the idea even before the product came out. They didn't get around to applying for patents on iPod technology until October of 2002. Pretty lazy. Yeah. So that's today's lesson on the easily avoided effects of procrastination. First of all, patent law is just ridiculous yes it's, that's it's a, whole a bunch other. of crap but that doesn't but prevent a big company you from still have to be aware that it's out there and the it's going to come bite you in the butt yeah so creative and microsoft very likely to come calling it sounds like creative maybe is more likely than microsoft to come calling at steve jobs's door saying we want a piece of the little ipod pie here yeah, see, may, maybe Apple's just, you know, they've got that history of stealing from Xerox Park, so they forgot oh. that they can patent their own ideas. Why would you just say that stuff? Do you know how much mail we're going to get now? now. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, don't procrastinate, kids. Get All it right. done. If you have a good idea, use the weirdly powerful power of messed up U.S. patent law and protect yourself. We've got a uh, blogger <laughs> under siege, uh, Traffic-power.com, according to the Wall Street Journal, is suing Aaron Wall, who maintains a blog on search engine optimization, because someone posted comments on Aaron's blog mm-hmm. that traffic-power.com, I'm just going to say, right. takes issue with. Right. Uh, and says that there is confidential information about the company that had been published on the blog. But they're not going after the person who posted the comments, which I think they may be have may have been posted anonymous. anonymously. Right. They're going after Aaron Wall, the blogger. Right. Now, uh, first, I saw this. I'm like, that's ridiculous. This has been go- this has gone through court before. Mm-hmm. Because and the courts have said to foster communities, 
You know, you right. can't hold the people who run the community responsible. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the lawyers for traffic power must have something up their sleeves here. Maybe. Or, or, or I mean, I, I think what happened is one appeals court was, it was the Ninth Circuit of Court of Appeals in San Francisco that found that the operator of a website can post material from others without liability for the content. So it was a very broad ruling and it's possible that the lawyers just think it's it, they can get it overturned. I mean, I think there have been leanings in that direction anyway because what happens is you have companies out there who take this ruling and abuse it, such as Zaba Search, mm-hmm. which we mentioned yesterday. I mean, under that ruling and that, that application of the Communications Decency Act, Zaba Search can certainly allow anyone to post any defamatory comment they want on someone else's information listing page. So... I think we're getting to the point where it's become much more of a sticky wicket. Like it's really hard to say that people should just be able to put whatever they want on someone else's website with impunity. Well, and the, the blogging thing is the test case here. Yeah. And that's, that's the, uh, the other cases were larger websites, larger communities. Right. So this is, so does, does it the apply CDA to actually apply to bloggers? Yeah. I mean, as it's, as it's been ruled to me, obviously it does. And to me, obviously this guy should not be held responsible for an anonymous posting on his website that affects some company that he didn't even mention in the first place. Right. It's ridiculous. But then Zaba search should be free to allow people to do what they're doing. Exactly. Thus the sticky wicket. Yeah. (laughs) And I am certainly not smart enough to solve this problem today. Well, I I think you just have to live with it, you know, and you have to, yeah, well, and you have to go case by case, mm-hmm. by case, by case, literally right. case. Getting to the emails, uh, I want to uh, apologize to Craig Cooley in particular from Akron, Ohio. Uh, he, he called me on last week. I, I was mentioning DivX in relation to f- what I meant to say was FlexPlay uh, about the self-destructing DVDs that are being introduced in Japan. It was FlexPlay yes. was the old self-destructing DVD. I was talking about DivX and I was a little confused. DivX was a pay-per-view DVD, the old DivX, not the current DivX, but the old DivX. Uh, where you had to pay every time you watched it. And that was just as ridiculous of an idea. Uh, Flexplay was the self-destructing DVD that turned black at 48 hours. And I believe it's the same company behind Flexplay and the new ones going into Japan, but I'd have to check on that. And then, Craig, you went off into some other points that I'm not even going to bother. (laughs) But he disagrees. But yeah, I disagree with everything else you said. Except that one correction point. So great. I'm sure you've made Craig really happy today. And that's <laughs> all for us. Just email me. Keep I'll talk the to you emails email. coming. <laughs> uh, you can email us, buzz at cnet.com or call us 1-800-616-CNET. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Goodbye.